Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. So we're in the book of Joshua and uh, we've been super blessed by what God's been teaching us in this. Jeremy preached a cracking word last week if you didn't get that from Joshua chapter 14, where he talked about expecting the fight, but also expecting the victory. I was like, I didn't else get goosebumps when he said, I was like, oh, come on, that's good, brother. Great word. And uh, as we jump into Joshua today, what we realise is, Cy preached awesome on Joshua 13 about the inheritance. What a great word that was too, Cy. Thank you. And, and then we go to 14, which is this, the Caleb spirit. And so we go from 15 through 21, which is all about the practical inheritance. It's this land went to this tribe and this land went to this tribe and this land went to this tribe. And we could preach through all of them and there's much gold to glean, but we will be here until February if we, if we do that. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna leap ahead this morning to Joshua chapter 22. Next week, Father's Day, we're gonna just come back to Joshua 20. But we've come to the end today of, the, of the, the inheritance part and we land at Joshua 22. Let's pick it up, reading from verse one. We'll read from verse one through five and we'll cover the whole thing over the course of the message. Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh and said to them, you have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord commanded and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now to this very day, you have not deserted your fellow Israelites, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given them rest as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side side of the Jordan. As we come to Joshua 22, there's, there's a couple of things we've got to realise. We need to realise that the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh were a people who before we got to Joshua, Moses had given land on the eastern side of the Jordan River. So they already had this inheritance, right? But part of them claiming that territory and claiming that land was Moses said, if you're gonna have this land, good, but you must go with your brothers and sisters. You must cross the Jordan and you must fight with them. You're gonna be the tip of the spear. You are gonna champion your brothers and sisters. You're gonna go to war. You're gonna send all your fighting men. You're going to help them claim. They've helped you claim your territory. Now you're gonna help them claim what I've given them. And scholars will tell you that at a minimum, it has been seven years. So seven years, the wives and the children have been settling at home and probably the older men. But for seven years, the fighting men, the fathers, haven't been around. And they've been faithfully serving the command and call of God to go and take the land. And now seven, maybe more than seven years later, there's finally rest in the land. And so Joshua says to them, guys, well done, good and faithful servants. It's time to enter your rest. That's me quoting Jesus. He didn't exactly say those exact words, but that's in essence what he said. He's like, it's time to take your rest so you guys can go back, go back to the other side of the Jordan, but as you go, there's a warning. 
like well done, but there's a warning. As you go, as you leave this land and you go to the other side, everyone say other side. As you go to the other side of the big thing that can divide us, love the Lord your God. One thing I ask, love the Lord your God. Serve Him wholeheartedly. Be devoted to Him. Don't turn away to the left or the right. That is the one thing that you need to do as you go and enter your rest. Now, fast forward. As you go through a few verses along, what we discover is that these guys on their way back build an altar. And that altar causes conflict. And I wanna preach today because the rest of chapter 22 looks at how they resolve this conflict. I wanna preach today on a really simple topic, but a really important topic, which is simply this, doing conflict well. How many of you know that conflict can occur in the church? I know you're Christian. How many of you know that conflict can occur in marriage? Oh, two people. Maybe you should come up here and preach. How many of you know that conflict can occur in marriage? Oh, that's better, now we're honest. How many of you know that conflict can occur in family dynamics? How many of you know that conflict can occur in business? In our workplaces? How many of you know that conflict is inevitable? You see, this is the reality and this is what Joshua 22 is gonna lean into, that conflict is inevitable. So we've got to learn how to do it well. One of the great privileges that I have in this job is that I get to, uh, I get to lead people through their wedding vows. And a part of that process of getting to that day, we do some pre-marriage prep and we spend some time talking about stuff, right? And one of the big things, this is a spoiler alert, Geordie and Liv, because they're getting married soon. It's very exciting. But one of, the, one of the big things we talk about is this idea, the, the, the importance of having shared convictions, right? You see, I, we all have opinions. Opinions are things we hold, but convictions are things that hold us. So convictions are these, these things, these values, like these, these deep-seated things that are core to who we are. Right, like there's a central part of our being, our value system that we, we wanna live by. And if, if we enter into a marriage relationship, if we enter into a, a business partnership, if we enter into any sort of significant covenant relationship, but we don't have shared convictions, it doesn't matter how attractive they are. It doesn't matter how lush the beard is how beautiful the figure is, how much money is in the bank, none of that will matter because fundamentally you're running in different directions. And, and one of three things will happen. Either you'll part ways, you'll spend your entire life in conflict, pulling against each other, or one person will change their convictions. This is why the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked. And people go, oh, it's such a legalistic thing. No, it's simply God saying, I know what I've put in your heart. Now make sure you share the conviction before you go anywhere else. Because you wanna be running in the same direction, not in opposite directions. 
But here's the thing that I've learned over 15 years of marriage is you can have shared convictions, but you can still have different opinions and expectations about what those shared convictions look like in the practical outworking of everyday life. For example, now Joe's not here today. because we had two boys up at midnight with croup, but I did run this story past it, and that's me showing growth. <laughs> she said you can tell it. For example, Joe and I share a deep conviction that our, life, our lives, our life together will be about people. We believe that, that God wants our life, our union. From the moment we started dating, it was like life is about investing in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about people. We wanna, we wanna have a home, we wanna have a marriage, we wanna have a family that is open, that is honest, that is welcoming, that loves people, welcomes people and champions people in the grace of God. We share that conviction. But within our marriage, there is one extrovert who is who is deeply energised by large rooms of ever-expanding circles of people. We also have one person within our marriage who is an introvert, who is deeply energised by small circles of deeply trusted friends. And so sometimes the expectations of what the conviction of life being about people hasn't always aligned. Like the Friday night that we came home after a really long, long week of work, back when Joe was working full-time as a teacher and we'd, you know, the, I was just finished, I was, we were doing the church and we'd had a long week of work and we'd gone straight from Friday night, finishing work straight to one of our kids' footy match and we were driving in our driveway. It's winter, it's cold, it's been a long week. It was about 7.30 at night. We drove in our driveway and the lights were on in the house. And as we came into the driveway, you could see through the window, three young men who I used to teach and, and mentor and deeply love sitting in our lounge room that let themselves in somehow, broken in, cooked themselves dinner with our food, were watching our TV because they thought it would be a lovely surprise to spend a Friday night with Dave and Joe. Now, as we pulled in the driveway and could see these three people who we love deeply, and let me just say that the look on Joe's face suggested that her initial internal reaction was different from mine. <laughs> My sort of, I see, saw those guys, I thought, oh, fantastic. They feel comfortable enough to let themselves in to, to make themselves dinner with our food and wanna spend some time with us. That potentially wasn't Joe's initial reaction to that event. <laughs> now we had a great night and we had a great conversation the next morning. <laughs> about having shared convictions, but just aligning expectations and maybe shifting some boundaries on appropriate relational behaviour. 
and breaking into someone's house might be not the best way to go about it. Anyway, the whole point is that you can share convictions, you can share values, you can be totally aligned on the big things that are important, but still have conflict without clear communication of expectations, of opinions, and how those things are outworked in life. And as we come to Joshua chapter 22, this is exactly what we're gonna see. We're gonna see two groups of people who have a shared conviction, but their expectation or their opinion about how that conviction should be outworked is vastly different and it leads to conflict. But here's what I want us to grasp today, church. Conflict doesn't equal bad. This conflict, when there is a shared conviction, conflict is actually a good thing. Why? Because it forces us to communicate and align our expectations around that conviction and will therefore enable us to more wholeheartedly and fully run together after it. If it's done well, If it's done poorly, then it equals bad. And the problem in the church, and Israel is a picture of the church. It's the prophetic picture of the church today. The problem with the church is because we're so concerned about being nice and kind, somewhere along the way, we've convinced ourselves that conflict equals bad, therefore avoid at all costs. And because we avoid conflict, we don't know how to do conflict and instead of being able to use it to sharpen the the tool, to sharpen the spear and become more united and more on purpose and more in the one direction, we find no one says anything about it. We ignore, ignore, ignore until the, you know, the it explodes and we see people getting hurt and churches blowing up over the silliest of things, all because we never learned how to do conflict well. Where there's a shared conviction, conflict is good. So let's learn to do it well, amen? Amen. 22 has such gold in here for us about how to do conflict well. You see, the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh leave with the blessing of Joshua, the blessing of Israel. They go to their land. It says they've got all this spoil, like they've got wealth, they've got great riches that have come from being the head of the army, of being the tip of the spear. They go back and they build an altar. And it's a replica altar of the the altar at Shiloh, which is where the tabernacle is. We've talked about the tabernacle, the place of God's presence. And they're like, yes, this is awesome. We're gonna build this altar. Uh, They move back home, their time with their families. But word comes to Israel that the, the tribes of the East have built an altar. Let's read from verse 10. Listen, just follow the story. When they came to Geliloth, near the Jordan and the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar. Everyone say imposing. There by the Jordan. Listen to this. And when the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan at Geliloth, near the Jordan, in the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh, which was the place of the tabernacle, to go to war against them. Here's the first thing I want us to catch as we learn to do conflict well. Number one, 
is we have to get some biblical convictions. There are some things that are worth fighting for. It's awfully quiet in here. There are some things that are worth fighting for. Israel rallies the entire nation ready for battle. Why? Because of verse five. Because verse five said, go with our blessing, but serve the Lord your God wholeheartedly. You see, there was one place where you could worship God, one place. That was at the tabernacle. There was one place where you could encounter the presence of God. There was three times a year where you were to journey and do, do a worship celebration where the whole nation would come together and you would worship the Lord your God. You would encounter the Lord your God and you were not to worship on any other altar on any, in any other place. You worship the Lord right there. And to do so differently was to commit adultery, was to uh, commit idolatry. It was to run away from the living God. What it was, was to worship God on my terms, not His terms. And this is what we are seeing in our culture today is everyone wants to define God in their own image. God says, that's not how this works. I am who I am and I will be who I will be and you are made in my image and therefore you worship me according to my standards, not according to your own. And in the church today, there is one way to worship the living God. There is one way to come into His presence. And that is through the precious blood of Jesus that was shed upon the cross for the salvation of souls. We don't get to bend it and twist it and change it and say, well, anyone can come in from whatever way they want. No, anyone can come in, but you've got to go through the gate, which is Christ. And so we call people to Shiloh, say, this is how we access the presence of God. And so the people of Israel go, no, no, there's some certain things that are worth fighting for. And in the church, there are some certain things that are worth fighting for. One of them is the fact that God is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of those things is that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He is the Son of God. One of those things is that He lived, He died, He was buried, He rose again, He ascended to the Father, He sent of His Spirit to establish His church as a means through which He would outwork His kingdom on the world. There are some things worth fighting for. There are some things worth putting our flag in the sand over and saying, I'm not bending on this. We must be careful as the church today to recognise that that is okay. There are some things within a marriage that are worth putting the flag in the sand for and saying, no, no, I'm not bending on this. And either we align or we don't align. There are some things in a dating relationship, young adults and youth, that are worth putting a flag in the sand and saying, this is what we are going to be about. So often in relationships, I'm just sidetracking, but I feel like God's saying it, especially for our young people. So often what we do is we put boundaries around us. Now, when you build boundaries, the first thing you're gonna do is walk up to the edge of that boundary and peek over it. But when you build values, convictions, instead of, instead of coming under the law of a boundary, stand at the centre of a value a conviction, this is who I'm gonna be, this is who we're gonna be. And what happens is you don't walk up to the edge because if I have a, va- if I have a value, if I have a conviction that I'm gonna honour 
my dating partner, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and love them as Christ loves the church. I'm not gonna take advantage of them physically because I want them to be the pure spotless bride when we enter into that. Come on, somebody. Like build on value. There are some things worth fighting for. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that to get some biblical conviction. But number two, watch this. When we're not sure what's happened there, like we're ready to fight for stuff, but instead of, like Israel don't just send the whole army, they gather at Shiloh and they do something interesting. They send the envoys, not the convoys. So often when we experience any sort of tension or conflict, our response is we go straight to battle. Instead of being prepared to battle, but coming in peace. Watch this, watch this. Verse 13, so the Israelites sent Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest. Now, do you know who Phinehas is? Phinehas is, is a priest. Phinehas is the guy who back in Numbers, there was this great outbreaking of immorality in the Israelite camp. So much so that this one guy, he took a Moabite woman and he started sleeping with her in plain daylight at the entrance to the tabernacle, the the literal presence of God with Moses and Aaron and the leaders of Israel standing there watching him. And what happened was a plague went out against Israel as this guy just openly mocked the holiness of God. Phineas is the guy who went, nah. And he picked up a spear and right in the presence of everyone, just drove it straight through them. And it says the plague stopped immediately. So Phineas isn't soft. (laughs) He has conviction. (laughs) Right? (laughs) He's got a, he's a guy of conviction. Like he's a serious dude. So they send Phineas and they send him with the chief priests, right? So it says, uh, with him they sent 10 of the chief men, one from each of the tribes of Israel, each the head of a family division among the Israelite clans. When they... uh, when they went to Gilead to Reuben, Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh, they said to them, and then they brought a message from the whole tribe of Israel. Learn to send envoys, not convoys. Phineas could have gone to war. Israel could have gone to war. They were ready for battle, but instead of just going in and fighting, they have a conversation. They come seeking peace. They come seeking clarity, not hostility. When we have conflict, do we come seeking clarity or do we come seeking hostility? Let's be honest. Often, particularly in relationships, what happens is, is someone comes and tells me like, Dave, do you know that so-and-so said this about you? And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I walk over here and I'm like, Liz, do you know that so-and-so said this about me? She's like, oh my goodness. And then she walks over there and she goes, Nathan, this is going on. It's like, oh wow, what? And, then, and what happens is instead of actually going to the person and having a conversation and seeking clarity, all this behind the scenes conversation happens, which builds hostility and it ends up being like... The biblical thing to do is to send an envoy, not a convoy. Have a conversation and do it quickly. This happened immediately. 
They got word, they prepared, like this is a serious thing. If they've done what they, we think they've done, this is worth fighting for, but instead of just going to war, let's have a conversation. And so off they go and they, they have this deep conversation where he just, it's like, well, let's just watch it because it's quite full on. Verse 15, when they went to Gilead, to Reuben Gad, the other half tribe, they said to them, the whole assembly of the Lord says, how could you break faith with the God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against Him now? Here's the third thing, be honest. Straight up, be honest. Don't beat around the bush. Don't, you know, hide it in cloak and daggers. Just be honest. If, you're, if someone's done something that has caused grievance to you, be honest. Don't be rude, be honest. Like we've got to learn the church, don't be a doormat. Have conviction, but also don't be a bulldozer. Yeah, send the envoy, but be honest, be open, be vulnerable, be real. These guys were hurt, they were deeply upset. And so they went and they were honest and they were open and they said, what are you doing? Don't you understand the danger? Don't you understand what happened last time we did this? Last time someone from Israel chose rebellion against God, bad stuff. We looked at I, we looked at Peel, we looked at these things. Bad stuff happens when the people of God turn away from God. Don't do it. And if you're chasing after this, we're ready to stand our ground on this one. We're not bending here. Honesty is the best. How many of you know that to be true in your own lives? How many of you ever resolved a conflict just by lying and lying and lying and lying and lying? <laughs> when, we did, when we did the truth and lie thing, I'll, I'll never forget Stewie who led us through that. It said this powerful thing. He said, he said, when we live dishonestly, we are borrowing integrity from our future. In order to uphold a lie now, you borrow integrity from the future and we've seen this. We've seen this with, with significant Christian leaders who have got away with living in a lie but what happens when that lie is exposed, everything comes crashing down. Be honest now that we can have integrity in the future. All right, this is where we come to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, that principle, what does Jesus say? He summarises, he says, go to the person you know, be honest, just tell them what's going on. You go to that person, send the envoy, not the convoy. If they receive you, he goes, great, you've won a brother or a sister. If they don't, what do you do again? Bring someone else, bring another trusted person, have another conversation. If they receive you, great, you've won a brother, you've won a sister. If it's still not working, then bring the church, tell the church, bring people, have the conversation. And then if that's not working, stand your ground on the conviction that God has given you. Is that good? That's what we see from the Western tribe. Now let's look at the Eastern tribe because there's some great things that they do. All right, watch their response. So the speech goes on for a while. Yeah, 
It just goes on and on. And then you get to verse 21. Then Reuben, Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh replied to the heads of the clans of Israel. Watch this. The mighty one, God, the Lord. The mighty one, God, the Lord. He knows. What if we were a people who were more concerned with our integrity than our reputation? What if we... What if rather than constantly trying to, to please everyone or be seen a particular way, we were able to go, the mighty one, the God, the mighty one, God, the Lord, He knows. What if we just lived with integrity before a holy God so that when that conflict came, we can stand with genuine authenticity, genuine honesty and say, no, 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 something's been misrepresented in this. Say, I am, I am, humble before a holy God and I can genuinely say, this is my heart. This is, this is what, and I'm sorry if that's been misrepresented or misinterpreted. Trust me, that's not what we were doing. That's not what we're on about. No, 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 that my heart is right before God. And this is something like God's hit me with this in the last six months where someone came up to me recently and I think they were trying to give me a compliment. But they said to me, oh, Dave, um, you're nothing like people say you are. <laughs> and I, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> it was like, you know, you've got a bit of a reputation. I was like, do I? <laughs> I thought people liked me. Yes, <laughs> you know, you got... And, and he just like digging the hole and, but it just occurred to me that like, as we as a church grow, as God does stuff in our lives, as he starts to increase whatever influence the Lord would choose to give, people are gonna perceive who we are and what we do in a particular way. And they don't necessarily know the truth, but what God showed me was is they don't have to. Let them say what they want to say. Let our hearts be humble and soft before a holy God. Let us be a people who are on about integrity and let Him deal with our reputation. Because if we are on about our integrity and if we are right before a holy God, then He'll deal with His stuff. And what He showed me was He got crucified all the disciples were martyred, except for John, who they tried to martyr. Like they tried to kill him multiple times. <laughs> Not everyone is gonna like you all of the time. That's just biblical. Yes. But let's get our hearts right before God and have integrity. The Lord God, He knows. The Lord God, He knows. And then what do they do? They communicate the why. <laughs> Watch this, uh, verse, uh, verse 23. If we have built our own altar to turn away from the Lord and to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings or to sacrifice fellowship offering on it, may the Lord Himself call us to account. What a beautiful, humble heart. No, we did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, what do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? 
because there's this mighty Jordan River in the middle, right? The Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you. You Reubenites, Gadites, you have no share in the Lord. So your descendants might cause us to stop fearing the Lord. That's why we said, let us get ready and build an altar, but not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. On the contrary, it is to be a witness between us. And you ever say witness? between us and you and the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at His sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifice and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no share in the Lord. They communicate the why. They don't, they're not defensive. Like, no, how dare you come against us and say that? <laughs> we fought for seven years for you. How dare you confront us? No, they don't do any of that. They're like, oh, no, 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 that's not our intent. This is why. Don't be a person who's so concerned again with reputation that you're constantly just justifying your existence. Just communicate the why. If you've got integrity, the why will come very easily. Communicate the why. Communicate the why. And they communicate it so beautifully, honestly, transparently and vulnerably. And the why fundamentally is the last point. And MG, you can come on up. But here's the biggest thing. Here's the biggest thing in it all. Their why is because their hearts are for the kingdom, not for castles. Their hearts are for the kingdom, not for castles. What do I mean by that? I mean, God is on about His kingdom, not ours. Human beings love to build castles unto our own name. We build towers of Babel. We build brand names. We build followings. We make it about us. The Gadites, the Reubenites and the half tribe of Manasseh. No, 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 no. This is for the next generation. This is for the generation to come and the generation after them so that we will always have a share in who God is. That we will always have a kingdom share. Their heart is kingdom, not castle. Yeah, they've got the land. They've got their, their side on the other side of the Jordan. And they could say, this is ours. We're gonna build our own kingdom. We're gonna, we're gonna show that though we are smaller than you, we are just as great as you. They could let the waters of the Jordan River divide them. Or they could establish a monument of remembrance that says it doesn't matter all this water that separates us. It doesn't matter all these different things that seek to divide us because we are the Lord's. We are under His covering and under His grace. We are held in His hand, just like you. We might look different. We might speak different. We might smell different. We might do things differently, sing differently, eat differently. We might look completely different, but we are called by His Name. He is the one. The reason we built this altar, the reason we established this monument of remembrance is because this is the very thing that will unite us from generation to generation to generation. Not our works, not your works, not our fame, not your fame, not anything we do, purely the presence of God, which has come for the people of God. Church, we have to understand that this is true for us right here, right now, right today, the church of Jesus Christ. 
There are so many things that can divide us. We have our own labels, as Danny says, and they become Babels. We've got Pentecostal, Baptist, Lutheran, Anglican, Catholic, whatever you wanna call them. There's so many reasons we can divide, but there is one thing that unites us and that is the altar that Jesus laid His life upon, which is the cross. His blood was shed so that we could be partakers of the divine glory. That's what unites us. And if the church would stop fighting over the waters of the Jordan River and start uniting over the altar of God and saying, He has made a way so we will champion one another and get on with the cause of the Gospel, then the church would see a mighty outpouring of His favour and we'll see the victory of God in our day. The reason that Israel claimed the territory and got rest is because they did it together. The first thing that the enemy tries to do is divide. The moment they get rest comes the seed of division. Friends, in our marriage, in our marriages, what's the seed of division that constantly seeks to divide? Nail it on a cross for the blood that unites. In our, if you're in a business with a business partner and you're not seeing eye to eye, what's the seed of division? Bring it to the cross. Die to self, walk forward. In the church, there's so many things that can divide. Some of you probably don't like the fact that there's, I'm loud. <laughs> Bring it to the cross. <laughs> I'm not gonna stop it because I just love Jesus. And it happens. Some of you probably wish I'd shout more. I'm trying in Jesus' name. (laughs) Like it's the cross that unites us, friends. Listen to to Paul. I love this in 1 Corinthians 2, talking to a very broken, divided church. Paul says, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Listen, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's Paul. He's like the smartest dude who ever lived. That's the guy who wrote half the New Testament. That's the guy who could argue anybody under the table. That's the guy who like was incredibly wise. He went, he goes through this, he goes, I was this, I was this, I was a Pharisee. I was like, he ticks every human box of wisdom, strategy, learning, brilliance. He could easily have argued anyone to his side, but he goes, I resolve to know nothing. I'm gonna lay all of that down because all of that is being divisive. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pick up Christ and Christ crucified. That's what I'm gonna set my feet upon. That's what I'm bringing you to right here, right now, Corinthian Church. Christ and Christ crucified. Let's start there. And as we start there, then we will be able to move forward together in unity because none of this other stuff is worth dying for, but this is. Know the conviction. Know what conviction we stand on. Know that beautiful hope by which we stand. Know the thing that gives you assurance, the thing that gives you peace, the thing that you can hold 
deeply and powerfully and wonderfully onto and move forward in unity. There is a cross, there is an altar on the other side of the Jordan. And if there's anything that brings hope, if there's anything that unites, it's that. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and Christ crucified. As we've, as I was sitting with this and preparing this, knowing everything we're going through as a church, there's gonna be a lot of Jordan River waters in the next few months that could divide. So may we be very, very careful to hold on to our blessed assurance that gives us hope. And I couldn't shake that song. It's an oldie, but gee, it's a goodie. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. salvation, purchase of God. You've been purchased by God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. If that's your story, if that's what you know to be true in your life, then don't let the rivers Jordan and all the reasons to separate you from a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ pull you apart. Hold on to that blessed assurance. He, it's all about Him. It's all for Him. For His glory. If that's not your story and you don't know that blessed assurance, I would love have a conversation with you and introduce you to a hope that will never fail you, to a truth, the only truth that is never gonna perish, spoil or fade, to bring you into a beautiful, glorious, eternal inheritance that will last forever. If you don't know that blessed assurance in your life as we sing this song, I would love and our team will have team ready to pray. We would love to pray with you and introduce you to that glorious home. Would you stand to your feet, church? the Bible is so honest. <laughs> I love that it's so real and that it speaks into every single situation. And I don't know what you're going through right now in your life, but if you are facing conflict, 
there's no better time than the present to address it. And if you'd love support in that, if you'd love prayer over that, if you know that this afternoon you have to make a phone call and have a conversation with someone and send an envoy, not a convoy, we'd love to pray with you and encourage you and, and yeah, just minister with you and prepare you for that envoy. If you're sitting next to someone and you know there needs to be a conversation, can I encourage you right now, just take a moment and say, yeah, we love each other. We're held in the arms of Christ. We're not gonna let this thing get in our way. We're not gonna let this thing pull us apart. We're gonna move forward together in the unifying blood of Jesus Christ. Firm on that solid rock on which we stand. So if you'd love prayer, please come. We're gonna sing this beautiful old song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. God, we thank you that you give us the gift sometimes of miscommunication so that we can grow in communication and grow in unity. Lord, let us be a people who do conflict well. Let us learn from your word. Let us learn by your spirit that we'd be a people who walk together in the bond of peace. As it says in Ephesians 4, that we'd have unity of spirit through the bond of peace, through the bond of shalom. Kingdom, Shalom, the kingdom call of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that they knew every morning. Thank you for the cross, the unifying, precious blood of Jesus, our blessed assurance. pray that assurance over each person here. I pray that peace over each person here right now in the name of Jesus. That boldly and confidently they'll be able to sing with great gusto. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Saviour all the day long. of purpose, pray rediscovery of unity. I pray a rediscovery even now, Lord, of that first love. Oh, I feel that so strongly, Lord. I pray a rediscovery of that first love. First love, first love. Ignite the flame again. Breathe, Lord. Breathe upon the embers. When we're submitted to your kingdom call, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. There's nothing too far gone. There's nothing too broken. There's no light too dim that He 
can't ignite in a moment and reform into His image and likeness. Blessing Lord. We pray in the precious name of Jesus and all God's children said, listening to the Hills Baptist podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.